This is Paul Schneiderman today on the 62nd edition of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio. I have a, is a very special guest today, the Seattle Mariners clubhouse reporter and blogger who works at 710 ESPN Seattle, Shannon Dreyer. Shannon, before I go further with this interview, I want to recognize my engineer today, James Gerd. James is also the host of the After Dark Show, and we have James as another baseball fan in this room today. Uh, RainierAvenueRadio.world, we have a lot of things going on. We're on the World Wide Web based in Seattle. We have sports shows hosted by my colleagues, Rick Dupree, Granville Emerson, and Renat Laurent. Host a fun show, Lidline Sports. Masvita Marari hosts a show, Seattle Sports Weekly. Pat McCarthy and Masvita also host a show. Mark Bryant has a fitness-based show. Juan Cotto has a show. We have some great music shows, news shows, political shows. There's a heck of a lineup here at RainierAvenueRadio.world. Uh, my show, Sports and Stuff, has been around now for, for two years. Having a lot of fun practicing law still and doing this a couple of times a month. And you can look at a lot of my interviews at pluslawoffices.com or a bunch are on the Rainier Avenue Radio website, a bunch are on Mixcloud. We're going to get the hopefully get the archives uh, further addressed. Well, we get back to you now, Sham. Uh, Shannon Dreyer, as I mentioned earlier, is a Mariners insider for 710 ESPN, ESPN Seattle. She's a Mariners clubhouse reporter. Uh, Shannon hosts the Mariners pregame and postgame shows on 710 ESPN Seattle. Uh, Shannon also has a podcast. She writes a blog for Mariners' website. Really a jack-of-all-trades here. University of Washington graduate. She worked at Como for many years and then has been covering the Mariners, I think, since about 2009 ESPN Seattle. Uh, at ESPN Seattle, yes. Gotcha. And I think you started at Como about 2003 or so? 2003 and KJR in 1998. Yeah, that's right. You worked at KJR for a while. You also did some fill-in spots, I read, for Husky men's basketball, the Sonics, the Hawks. And now you've been for the, for the Mariners for many years. Well, today, Shannon, it's a lot of fun to have you. We're going to learn more about your career. And um, I really appreciate you coming on Sports and Stuff on RainierAvenueRadio.world. No problem. Happy to be here. Well, Shannon, we're going to learn a little bit more about you. Before I go a little further, um, a longtime player and broadcaster who many fans of Pacific Northwest remember well, Ron Fairley died. You covered the Mariners with Ron for many years. Can you share with us a little about Ron Fairley? Oh, that was a tough loss. Um, Ron just, on its own, just had such a unique and long history with the game. And on top of that was just an incredible person, a true gentleman, um, always led with humor, always had a sparkle in his eye. Uh, we were always laughing, whatever the situation was, when Ron was around. Just just a great, great guy. But uh, when I came into the job and, and had the opportunity to be around with him a bunch and travel with him and hear his stories, it really opened my eyes to kind of the connectivity of baseball and that I was just basically one person removed from Mickey Mantle talking to Ron Fairley. Is that neat? Uh, one person removed from Jackie Robinson talking to Ron Fairley. His history in the game was just so incredibly deep. And uh, to hear the stories from him, not just about the baseball, but uh, the time. I mean, he was on those Dodger teams that were the ticket in town in L.A. at the time. And uh, there were all sorts of Hollywood celebrities that would come to the games and stories there as well. But, you know, he was a great baseball player to boot. His lifetime numbers were fantastic. I believe it was a 22-year career on the field, which is remarkable. And uh, just uh, I think Mariners fans and baseball fans were so lucky to have him 
as a broadcaster because of that history, because of that knowledge, and just the ability to tell the stories and, and to pass that on. I, I thought he was a wonderful man, and I was just so sorry that we lost him. Absolutely. It's just neat to hear your perspective, having worked with him for so many years, Shannon. And, and I always like Ron Farrell a lot as a broadcaster, but he struck me as a pretty serious guy in the era, but everything I've read about him in his obituary, apparently he had a real good sense of humor and stuff too, right? He was an absolute riot. There was always a, a punchline to whatever story he was telling. It could be the most serious thing, but you kind of know that you were getting toward the end when you'd see him start to light up a little bit more, and you knew that there was going to be a, a smile at the end of whatever he was saying. And if he was serious on the air, that was, you know, he took baseball seriously. You know, he was baseball was such a big part of him um, that it, it was just everything for him was just factual. And if you didn't know it, he was going to tell it to you. And uh, he was right. <laughs> and I think a lot of the things that we see today, um, you hear people, oh, it's not old school anymore. Oh, just too many numbers. A lot of the stuff was done in the past. There was just nothing to call it. And a lot right, of it, right. um, you know, was, was, was practiced by the best players in the game. And, and he could talk about all of that. But, you know, it was neat to be around him. And to have the opportunities. So what was it like to face Bob Gibson? He did, you know. And Absolutely. Don Drysdale and Sandy Koufax were close, close friends of his. And getting those stories uh, were fantastic. But um, as seriously as he was about it, in the big scheme of things, it was never to be taken so seriously that, you know, it was a game in the end. So there was always an aspect of fun with him. Well, fun to share a little bit more about Ron uh, to us fans never had the privilege of getting to know him. Well, Shannon, you know, I read a little bit more about you in pre-show research. I've been following you for years, but it's fun to always learn more about a guest. And did you really work as a barista and then you got hired to work in radio? Tell us about that. Well, for a long time. Um, I'm doing exactly what I wanted to do and decided that I wanted to do when I was 13 or 14. And I was growing up in Illinois at the time, um, but I didn't see a path to it through school. A lot of those doors had not been broken down yet. And so I, I chose to come out to the University of Washington, mainly because I just wanted to get as far away from the cornfield as I possibly could. And there's nothing wrong with Illinois. I love it now. Chicago is one of my favorite Great stops. City. I'm from Bloomington Normal. It's a beautiful little town and, you know, just an ideal situation for the right time. But I, I wanted to be in a place where I could hop on a bus and go to a baseball game. And Seattle was one of those places. And I uh, got into the UW, and I decided they didn't really have much of a journalism, and I, I don't think they had any broadcast at the time there. Um, studied uh, psychology and wanted to go into substance abuse counseling. Also studied drama. And uh, when I graduated, decided that I probably didn't want to do either. I ended up going to New York. I, I got into a, a program that was on Broadway and did that for a little bit and then decided I don't want to be a starving actress. I saw you were an actress, yeah. So I came back, and I was qualified to do very little, and this is right before the big tech explosion. I don't think I'd even been on a computer at that point, so I, I had no qualifications for anything, so I went to work at Starbucks. And uh, they take good care of their employees, and that was my thought. You know, they had full benefits at 20 hours a week. And I'm like, well, if nothing else, I can take care of myself working there. I'm not going to bankrupt my family if I get sick while I'm trying to figure out what I want to do with my life. Right. So I could still act at night. Um, I could still, you know, go skiing and, and hiking and do the things that I enjoyed. But the thing that I enjoyed the most was talking sports. And I would do that with the customers that would come in every day. And while I was there, I worked my way up. I managed stores, and I was involved in some other things within the organization. Um, but I had a customer come in one day, and there was a contest at KJR, and it was called the Sports Hack Wannabe Contest. And the <laughs> premise was, if you think you can do our job, send us a tape. 
And the customer said, you can do this. You need to make a tape. Help me make a tape. Sent it in. Didn't hear anything for months. Didn't think anything of it. And then the program director, Tom Lee, called me out of the blue one day and said, do you want to come in with a few others for an on-air audition? Well, sure, why not? (laughs) And I did. And at the end of the day, they gave me a -a four-hour-a-week job doing updates for John Clayton on Saturday mornings. And that's how it all started. Isn't that that's just I did it's a it's a really a it's a neat story how you got going it, it, it's it's no real ends the industry and you're really able to to get things going there Paul Schneiderman host of sports and stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio dot world with the Seattle Mariners seven ten reporter Shannon Dreyer Shannon I want to ask you about your acting career real quickly <laughs> and you know Seattle we have a pretty good theater community mm-hmm. here with the rep and the act and the Inman Theater and I, I enjoy the theater myself uh, would you ever want to go back into acting. That's the thing. I think acting is something that you can do up until your last dying breath. So, I mean, it's always available. And yes, I would. Um, I think when I got to New York, uh, two things happened. I think I kind of figured out I wasn't as good as I thought I needed to be to to make it. Um, And also, one of the things in getting out was, um, this is radio. If you've seen me before, I'm very small. And for the longest time, I looked like I was 15 years old. And I got tired of being handed every kid's role ever. And so it was time to get out. Um, but yeah, I mean, that bug is always there. It's something that I could see myself doing again sometime when there was time, but not pursuing professionally. You're so right about so many actors and comedians. Like I saw Don Rickles perform a couple of years before he passed. You're right. A lot of actors and actresses, they go to to their final breath, don't they? That's really... That's a, that's a good observation. Well, Shannon, you've had a, you know, a great career working as a marriage reporter and, what would be one or two career highlights you've had in all your years working in baseball that have that have stood out? If you could mention one or two. I know there's probably hundreds. but I wish I could talk about several playoff appearances or a World <laughs> Series. That would be really great. Uh, so the moments aren't quite that big, but um, uh, there are a bunch. I mean, Felix Hernandez is perfect game to, to be there and, and to feel the emotions of that. Not just that this was a great baseball thing that was happening or a historic baseball event that was happening, but this was Felix Hernandez, who I had known since he was 19 years old and you know, covered in his first game and interviewed after his first game and to see you know him personally do that and really be at the top of the, the baseball world on that day. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic, plus just how you got pulled along that game and the anticipation and the feelings. And uh, what do you do? Do you talk about it? You know, and it was funny. It's We're very superstitious in the booth. And, no, we didn't talk about it too much. And we didn't change the seats that we were in. And we didn't leave the booth while that was going on. So that was um, just an incredible moment just to see um, – you know, the emotion that he had when he accomplished it, the emotion that his teammates had when they accomplished it uh, was unbelievable. Uh, Ichiro's retirement in Japan, uh, I, I can't imagine uh, the scene being any different after a World Series oh, on the field down after. It was an absolute rush to be down there and, and as things were starting to happen and okay he comes out of the game and that's a great moment and everybody's on their feet and and cheering and it's where everything began for him but then at the end of the game we're down in a um, a kind of a gymnasium that's right behind uh, the dugout and he selected a small group of uh, reporters that he was familiar with to come talk to him after the game and we're in there and as we're in there uh, Bob Melvin walks in, and you know the opposing manager's in there. And next thing you know, we look up, and the entire team is standing behind Ichiro, waiting to cheer him afterwards. And then while they're celebrating with him, we're, we're hearing 
get out on the field quick, follow us. And I'm like, what? You know, it's like, go, 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 go. And we ran through areas that we're not supposed to be in. And what's happening? What's happening? And we run out, and all of a sudden, we're in the middle of a dome, and nobody's left. And they're all still on their feet. And this is like 35 minutes after the game, screaming wildly. And then Ichiro comes out, and the press of the photographers, and almost getting knocked over and chasing after him and watching that uh, incredible, incredible um, moment. And then there are um, other moments that I, I think have been very special um, in, in interviews that I've, I've, I you know, got to talk to Buck O'Neill, which was one of the highlights uh, of my career. It's a big piece of baseball history right there. It's a there. huge piece of baseball history. And uh, to get to sit with him in the stands at, at, before a ball game in Kansas City and, and just to hear the stories from him uh, himself, that. it was just, you know, talk about Satchel Paige and, and – uh, uh, just uh, Tommy Davis was another one who who played here, and, and to to be able to talk with him about it and hear the stories, you almost couldn't come up with the questions. You didn't even want to waste your breath or the time on me saying it. All I wanted to hear was what he had to say, and they were both incredible gentlemen to get to sit down oh, and talk with. Um, I'm jealous, Shannon. Yeah, yeah it was it gosh. was fantastic. So there are a lot of things. Paul Schneiderman of Sports and Stuff on Rainier Avenue Radio dot World with Shannon Dreher, the Mariners beat reporter. Well, I ask this question sometimes to guests, and I oftentimes get an interesting answer to this type of question. I'm going to ask this question. Could you mention a challenge or two in your career that you dealt with that was a challenge, and how did you deal with it? Biggest challenge for me is, or was, and still is, but not to the extent that it was, is I work in a very strange arena. (laughs) Um, nothing in baseball works like it does in the normal world or the expected world. And so protocols can be very different. Um, and communication can sometimes be an issue. And you have to weigh what you say or what you ask and the impact that's going to have on others sometimes. And one huge challenge I remember was uh, Ichiro, um, probably about midway through his career with the Mariners. Uh, we would talk to him after games, and you would do that through an interpreter, and I had what I thought was a pretty good relationship with Ichiro. And one day there was a group of us asking him questions after a game, and I went to ask him a question, and he ignored me. And I'm like, whoa, that's weird, and I tried again, and he kind of ignored me again. And I was really getting the brush off in Japanese, which I don't understand, which made it that much more confusing. And I walked away wondering what was up with that, but I didn't want to cause a stir, so I didn't say anything. And then it happened again, and just kind of dealing with, okay, something's wrong. How do I deal with this? Where do I go? What do I do? And how do I get to the bottom of it? And I eventually went to one of the media reps and asked if they'd noticed anything, and they hadn't. And then they said that they would see if they could find out. And it turned out Ichiro indeed was upset with me, and I couldn't for the life of me wonder why or what I had done to get Ichiro mad at me and it turned out to be a small thing and something I never would have thought of and if I hadn't asked I wouldn't have known and if I hadn't been forward enough and I'm usually not you know it's easy to kind of run away from things that are unpleasant and maybe they'll go away but this was one time where I have to have a relationship with a star player that's all there is to it it's Ichiro (laughs) it is but it wasn't easy to you know even admit or talk or ask for help on this one It turned out um, we had been talking to him in an interview a couple of weeks previous, and um, he was explaining something, and he told the Mariners rep that I disrespected him in that interview. And 
I had no, I, I couldn't think of how I possibly could have done that. And so I dug a little bit further, and apparently Ichiro thought I was rolling my eyes at one of his answers. And I went back and I thought about it, and I just started doing a little bit of TV, and I just started doing a little bit of video. And when I had done that, I learned that when I'm asked a question and when I'm thinking about it, eyes go back. Right, right. And that's all it was. It was inadvertent. It was completely inadvertent, and it was because Ichiro had actually said something interesting, and I was just kind of thinking about it, and but there was no way of knowing. But it took a lot of digging to get to it, and you know, were you able I, to talk to Ichiro about it later. I grabbed his interpreter. We talked about it. Everything was great. I've got a great relationship with Ichiro right now, and but it was something that you know, it, things happen that you would never believe or think could possibly happen. And you have to deal with them. And, like I and said, that, I always get interesting answers when I ask that question about a challenge that professionals dealt with. So that you, you gave me a good one. <laughs> I'm sure there's more, but you gave me a good one. You know, um, Shannon, I had on Jane Levy on my show mm-hmm. last year, a famous sports reporter, mm-hmm. and she's written biographies on Babe Ruth and Sandy Koufax. And we talked a little about sexism that she's faced in, in mm-hmm. the industry. And she told a story on my show, a pretty graphic story about how Billy Martin treated her. And I know we're in the Me Too era now, and there's a little bit more understanding in some ways on issues involving harassment and gender and so forth. But have you faced any sexism in the industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and again, I don't see myself as anybody who's kicked out of any doors, but um, there there have been issues here and there that you've had to deal with. Um, I, I, I long time ago, it's been a long time since there's been anything inappropriate in a clubhouse, but there was in an opposing clubhouse, and I wasn't even aware that it had happened. It happened behind my back, and uh, the opposing media members came to me and said, don't worry, we're going to take care of it, and talked to a GM or a team owner or something like that, and the player was reprimanded for it, which was great, but, um, you know, that happened. I remember I covered the first game, first Seahawks game at CenturyLink, which was then I can't even remember what it was when that first opened and that's Seahawks not stadium right there was, was another it? sponsor and was I can't think of what it was quest quest, quest field quest, I think yeah, is quest what field. it was at first um, I'd been covering the Seahawks for a little while at that time and I could go down to the locker room post game the security guard wouldn't let me in he didn't think women were allowed in the locker room that's not too far in the distant past right right and you know I had to deal with that at that time and then I think the biggest thing is, and you have to deal with it, especially in an age of social media and now that we have to be so available and uh, we're pretty exposed out there, it's no longer a matter of just writing or saying something. Everybody's got access to you one way or another because we are required to be on social media and be active on that. But there's always going to be a percentage of the population that just is not going to take their sports news from women. That's never going to change. And that was one of the hardest things. And I, I don't think that's nearly what it was 10 years, 20 years ago. But it's always going to be there, and that's something that the men never have to deal with. still out there, unfortunately. And it's still out there. And so you can't let that get you down. If that person is that way, uh, they don't exist in my world at that point. I'm not going to waste anything on it, but it's out there. Fortunate people, bigotry and sexism still out there. Paul Schneiderman, host of Sports and Stuff again with on Rainier Avenue Radio with uh, Mariners broadcaster Shannon Dreyer. James Gerd is my engineer today. We're just having a very fascinating conversation with Shannon. So, Shannon, you know, you've been covering the Mariners for many years. And, I mean, gosh, you get so in the minutia and batting averages and, and everything. I listened to your to your analysis. Um, does it 
do, do you love every minute of it? Or does it feel like work sometimes getting that deep into <laughs> minutiae? No, I like, I find it interesting. Um, and it's, it's really been interesting in the last five years. I mean, baseball has been a sport that has changed at a glacial pace. It just doesn't. You know, why is it done this way? Well, because it's always been done this way, is what baseball has always been. I mean, to the point where there were technologies that colleges had well before Major League Baseball teams did. They just didn't do it that way. And in the last five years, the lid has been blown off of that one. And to me, um, to get into the new metrics, to get into the new technologies, uh, it's something to learn. It's something, and it's a different measure, and it's, I think it gives fans a different access you know, they might not be able to go down in a clubhouse, but if they want to get into this stuff, they can understand some things better or at least look at it the way that the clubs are. If, if They don't have access to the same numbers, but they can get a good kind of picture of what it is. So I actually find the numbers very interesting. I find uh, what the Mariners are doing right now. I know it was a miserable season last year, but it's a completely different direction, and I, I find that interesting. And, you know, how's this going to work? And I, I wish you could jump ahead two years right now and, and just find out, well, what's the ending? Did these prospects pan out? You know, what what impact do they have? But, um, no, I, I think the numbers are, are a huge part of it. I don't think you should ever lose sight of the people or the stories. Um but they're important, and uh, I, I think it's fascinating just uh, the turn that the entire sport has taken a blink. Like when we were growing up, we never heard the, the stat wins above replacement. We never heard the war stat. There's so many like new set statistics that mm-hmm. a lot of fans, uh, even of, of our era, hadn't heard of you know, several years ago. So it's interesting how the games evolved. You know, you mentioned a little bit about, you alluded to it a minute ago, the step-back plan. And I had Jerry DePoto on this year. I had your broadcasting colleague and friend Dave Sims on. And Dave kind of gave an answer that he felt maybe they could have tried one more season with a similar roster they had in 2018. What, what, where are you on that? Do you think that you support the whole no, no, uh, no, reimagining no, the no, roster? No, Dave, no. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay. Uh, where they were at right there, I mean, in order, they, they, they hit a crossroads. You look roads. adamant, by the way, on that one. Uh, absolutely not. Okay. I'm co- absolutely correct on this okay, one. Okay, <laughs> okay. No room for interpretation here. Right. They were at a spot where if they wanted, they could have perhaps added two players to that roster. But then what? And if you add those two players, one of them was going to be Nelson Cruz, and I hated losing Nelson Cruz. And what he did this year was not a surprise in any way, shape, or form. And and you cheer for him, and what he's doing at his age is absolutely remarkable. But um, when you are, are looking at where they were and where their contracts were, if they had added those two players, what would they have been playing for? They would have been playing for not the division. You were not beating the Houston Astros, adding just two pieces. The end. That's not happening. So you would have put all your chips in to try and get to a wild card game, a one-game playoff, which to me made no sense. And once you did that, you're now committed to all of these players. And... It would be a one all or nothing, and the chances that A, you were going to get that wild card, and B, you were going to take it anywhere, were very remote. So the alternative at that point was to do what they did, was to break it down. And the fact that they were able to shed Robinson Cano's contract was an absolute gift. I agree with you. And you don't, once you can do that, you might as well start over. And uh, I, I think that this was the right way, you know. Maybe they would have won a couple more games, but in the end, how far would that have gotten them? And what would that have done to the future? And as it is right now, they've cleared out almost all of their payroll. They're going to have a lot of dollars to spend that they would not have had had they added. They're a lot younger. I think you know the trades, at least on paper right now, 
have looked good with the young players and nothing counts until they make it to the big leagues and do anything. But, you know, they've gone from the worst farm system in baseball to ranked 11th by most um, organizations. So we'll see what happens. But uh, that one last go around, it would have been a disaster afterwards. Got a couple minutes left. Paul Schneiderman at Rainier Avenue Radio on sports and stuff with Shannon Dreher. If you're just tuning in, we got, I don't know, three three minutes left or so. So let me try to get another question or two, Shannon. What what if the M's did a hybrid move instead? What if what if Jerry Depoto decided, hey, we're gonna we're gonna go with the young guys, we're gonna supplement it with a with a free a flashy free agent or two. Could you go along with more of a hybrid um reimagining the roster? I think they're doing that right now. In that they held on to Mitch Hanniger, that they held on to Marco Gonzalez. I Good mean, points. a lot of times when teams do this, you're looking at a five, six, seven, eight year plan to get back, and they're hoping to do it in three. And when I say get back, that means be competitive with a good chance to make the postseason. But after that, then the goal, the stated goal was we want to be in the postseason much more often than not. This needs to be a regular uh, appearance. So I don't know how much that extra player would help you at that point. If it's 10 more wins and that gets you to 80, but you're still not in the postseason, why? Why not fully commit and get players for that or save those resources for when you're there and that target is out there that you can go after? Let's see. The 2020 should be an interesting decade of Mariners baseball. There's a lot, lot more ahead. Well, Shannon, we got a couple minutes left. Uh, what about two or three minutes left, James? So you fall baseball so closely. 162 games a year, spring training. The Independent Atlantic League, they have adopted a rule allowing players to steal first base, <laughs> ro- robots for umpires, limiting shifts. Pitchers now, and I think in that league, face a maximum of three batters. The mound has moved back. Larger bases, limiting mound visits. Do you like any of those reforms of baseball that uh, were the said ones I just mentioned? I, I think that trying to shave four minutes off of the game, something that they spent years and years and years and years trying to do, is just absolutely just it's ridiculous that they spend <laughs> as much energy. I, I think it's great that they're looking at the game and trying to improve it, but you've got to make, keep the game within reach. You don't want it to uh, not resemble what the game is. I wasn't on board for a lot of these things, and I at heart am an old school person, but a lot of it makes sense. You have to look at what your audience is, what the changes have been made. Uh, the three... Uh, the three uh, batters that pitchers relievers face makes sense because it's only if they come up at the end of the inning, then it doesn't have to be three. And that should speed things up, but it also changes. Okay, left-handed specialists are no more. That That's going to knock that out. Robot umps, I have a little bit of a problem with that because I think that's going to destroy the catcher position, which I think is one of the most fascinating positions on the club. So I think they just need to be careful and really keep in mind what the game is really all about. Careful on reforms is the Shannon Dreher answer overall. we got less than a minute left. What does the future hold for Shannon Dreher? I think more of the same. I mean, this is my dream job. I'm doing what I want to do. Hopefully, it'll be covering some postseason games. Uh, maybe someday I get into the broadcast booth a little bit. Uh, that would be, I, I think, something that would be, you know, exciting. Only one other person is really, one other woman has really done it. So, um, hopefully, just uh, kind of continuing, following, and and hopefully seeing a little bit more success with this team. Well, Shannon, I really appreciate you stopping by Sports and Stuff today on Rainier Avenue Radio World. It's just uh, been a great off-season baseball interview today with you, Shannon. Thanks for coming on. You're very welcome.